This week on a lively experiment, infighting breaks out among some progressives in the Democratic Party. How will that affect the first congressional district race? And it's the annual pilgrimage to the State House for those on both sides of proposed gun control legislation. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on the panel, former state representative Nick Gorham, Susie Yankee, national committee woman for the Rhode Island Republican Party and former party chair, and political contributor Bob Walsh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hubble. It is great to have you with us this week. Two more Democrats announced that they are running to replace Congressman David Cicilline in the fall, but it was an explosive set of allegations against one of the perceived frontrunners, Aaron Regenberg, that grabbed many of the headlines later in the week. Several prominent progressives said he should not be elected to CD1. So let's start with our resident Democrat. Uh, <laughs> Only one on the panel today. Yeah, there you go. You're, you're in the minority for once yes, today. There you go. <laughs> um, what do you make of all this? Um, well, we'll probably get to the big race in a second, but let's start with a second question uh, about the uh, former co-op members sending uh, a letter against Aaron Regenberg or a series of it was comments. A lengthy, a lengthy series yes. of comments against Aaron Regenberg. I don't I don't give it much weight, in all honesty. Um, and with respect to my non-Tea Party Republican colleagues, I guess we have a little bit of a Tea Party element in the progressive side of Rhode Island that, in other words, as soon as somebody wins or is successful or is ambitious, they're going to be mad at them. Um, if we're going to stop supporting candidates because they didn't support past candidates, we're going to run out of people to support very quickly. Uh, you know, Aaron Regenberg is going to run on the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren lane in this Democratic primary for Congress, and that lane is pretty wide open. And most of the people criticizing him from an ideological standpoint would normally be with him. I mean, they, their views on national issues have some degree of overlap, and I came from that lane in my uh, youth, I, in half a lifetime ago when I ran for Congress uh, in, in this seat. So it's kind of surprising that this becomes a, well, he wasn't nice to me, he didn't support me, he's a bad tipper, which was the most interesting and most troublesome <laughs> allegation. In Rhode Island, that's a, that's that a troublesome a allegation, sin. if that's true. But he was a college student, so maybe there wasn't right. much to tip with. I, I don't know. You'd have to, that's the one worth investigating. Uh, but it's, it's odd. It, it's odd to say, we agree with him on all the issues, but we're mad for personal reasons, therefore he's not someone we're going to support. A candidate should kind of say, Here's who we're going to support versus here's a reason not to support someone. So I was I was surprised. Yeah, personality conflicts. That's what I got out of the story. And at the end of that the they day, does the, the votership? Yeah, you know, um, I think that they're afraid it's going to split the progressive vote, and they'd like to see a progressive in that seat. So I think that that's what they're worried about. For me, Aaron Rugenberg probably has the most money out of all those progressive candidates. So that's another reason why they're probably mad at him. He came out of the gates with 150 thousand right, in the first day. 
right. the money. And he's got that really strong progressive on the east side. So does it really matter what these other people are saying? I don't, I don't know. Well, they want to take him down because they'd like to win. I mean, this is this is a grueling sport politics. So, um, you know, you don't, it's you not would for know the that faint. best, wouldn't yes, you? Yes, <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. You know, what upsets me more about him running is the fact that he had a prime judicial clerkship and he gave it up. Um, that offends me as a, as a lawyer because there are so many people that that is a plum job. He beat out a lot of people. And he beat out that. a lot of people and he just gave it up for an opportunity. So he's very opportunistic to me. I read this story about the whatever rift and the progressive <laughs> rift. The rift. 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 I, I thought yeah. progressivism was all about peace, love, and understanding, <laughs> and I am so terribly mistaken. Uh, they actually get vicious and mean. They need to world. listen to Elvis Costello. Ooh. Ooh. But I have to say, I love it. This is <laughs> yeah, 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 great. Well, well, we're glad we found some element of this that is entertaining. At least, let's look at know. the larger issue, though. So, um, for weeks, people have been talking about Gabe Amo. Coming and, and not many people beyond this table even know who Gabe Amo is. Did you know before? I, actually, I did know who he was, but I had family members from other states going, well, who's leaving the Biden administration right. to come run for Congress? I go, a relatively unknown individual. Yeah. So I said, I don't really give much credence to his candidacy, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there are four, what, 14? 14. 14. 14. So um, it's who's going to be able to organize, who's going to be able to raise the money, who's Name actually... And money. Yeah, I, I think this is, uh, you know, this is the crux of it, and this will be <coughs> an issue that we get to revisit on this show from now till the September primary. Fourteen candidates, let's say, for the sake of argument. I they, thought it was going to be a really dull summer, Bob. It's, I, really it's, I know. Well, Congressman right. Cicilline like leaving. I'm not. Well, it was a Hopkins report we a couple of years ago. There's always something. It, in it, to Island. the extent politics right. is our sport, we get an extra season to play. Uh, Fourteen Democrats, let's say, for the sake of argument, that they all went. There are there are tears. How many are going to make um, it to the ballot? Um, they might all get 500 signatures is not a high hurdle. I think there'll be some reflection and introspection before the filing deadline in June where people say, wow, I didn't realize that it would cost this much. But uh, Aaron Regenberg, you know, when you're drawing attacks from the right and the far left, maybe that proves you're a credible candidate. And I think he is a credible candidate in that left lane. Sabina Mato, statewide elected, proven herself as a big vote getter. I think you know, I, I, I've joked with someone you should do a trifecta box bet for those familiar with horse races. So I don't know how, how what order they're going to finish, but I know that, that there's going to be a top three. I think Matos and Regenberg are in the top three no matter what. I thought and think that Sandra Cano has a legitimate claim coming out of Pawtucket and a big vote getter for Biden as delegate to be in that top three. But not a but lot I think, of name recognition. But, but, and, and, I, and I would say that Gabe Amo uh, raising 100 grand in a day um, and with some decent political chops is in on that list as well. So if he gets up um, on TV like Helena Folks did, maybe... Well, TV won't yeah. be too big a deal in this race because yeah. it's It'll only be, it's, thirty it's, to forty thousand votes. Media, right. Yeah, it's yeah. such a sh uh, short Sport, period yeah. of time, well, too. Of, uh, Helena, folks, I picked her to win the Democrat primary because she had the money, the resources, the talent, and I, I think this guy Don Carlson shouldn't be underestimated. He's really, truly got a great uh, background. Uh, Williams uh, College, Harvard Law School. And he's had a great career, and he's got a lot of money, so you know he's going to run a good campaign. Um, the other person I think who's someone to watch is Gabe Amo. I I think he's um, 
He's got a good shot. He's got a lot of he's credentials. He's got a compelling story. Yeah, he's got a great story. And he went to Moses Brown School. So <laughs> well, how that, can, that, that, how oh, can you? There you go. I, but I wonder, Sue. <laughs> you know folks didn't win, though, right, on the money. Because, look, this is what you talked about in, in party chair. Is we have to get known. It's such a compressed schedule. Right. I mean, we're in the end of April. So we've got, what, really four but months? Remember, and a lot of it's during the summertime. This is right. incredibly different than the races we're normally looking at. This is a single ballot item special election right. in one this, district this in one district yep. but this is 30 to 40,000 voters and 40,000 is a high estimate most of whom have met at least two or three of these candidates or already voted for at least two or and three of these candidates for other offices too, right? and yes. may be related to them as well if you have 14 candidates in and say each can just get a thousand votes that's 14,000 votes off the table, and they're fighting for a very, very small number of votes left, which favors those with good organization. Yeah, good organization and good name recognition. Yeah. Yeah, so right. that's what it's going to take. There's, Definitely. Definitely. And you're right, it's the summertime. And that's one of the reasons that I always say our primary here should, during be, in May. It, should be way earlier. Yeah. Uh, they won't move it to the summertime because they know that it's the best time of the year here for some people. I particularly like the fall and the spring. But, but, they, but they also, look, the incumbents will never do that. You know from having sat in, sat in the chamber. Unless, and the Secretary of State's talked about this, yep. unless the session is going to end May 1st. You almost do it like a state where you do the every, every other, other year, year budget yeah. thing. Yeah, long, right. Short right, it's kind of yeah. the short People one. Are it, because, attention. you know, yeah. as your opponent's knocking on doors, you're sitting in a hot chamber listening to somebody blabber well, on, Well, and you're, right? you're talking and voting on the budget, which is exactly. the biggest hot topic. And you don't want to have to defend your vote on the budget during a primary. When should the primary be, do you think? June. Um, <laughs> well, that was going to be my only point, is that... I thought that many... was going to be your outrage. Well, <laughs> 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 um, the, the primary being midway through an election cycle, there are so many people who are holding office, Senator Cano, um, Lieutenant Governor Matos. There's nothing for them to lose. Right. Give it a shot. What do you, you know, it's a perfect time to run if you're already in office and you want to up your game and go to Washington. This is it. All right. I will call on every week I will do this. Sabina Matos and anybody else who's taken a check from the taxpayers should take a sabbatical. Oh. Suspend your taking your check for the whole time. Take half of it. Don't take the full thing and say you can do both jobs. That, maybe that's my outrage for the week. That's we'll see. Outrage. All right, Are you let's. Uh, to have an outrage? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm calling the shots here on who gets the outrage. Don't your breath okay, let uh, Nick. Let me stay with you. Uh, the uh, the annual pilgrimage to the state house happened this week with uh, pro and con on the gun control bills. The last one of the times we had you on was we were talking about the high capacity magazines. Yes. We were talking about so that's working its way through. Right. There's still a there's still a. Um, a challenge against that. So it looks like they're talking about safe storage, but really the, the one that everybody's paying attention to is the so-called, whatever you want to call them, high-capacity high assault rifles, whatever. Right. As it works its way through, Governor McKee said in his state of the state, this is something that's important to him. I wonder if you think the leadership has the stomach to pass that, given how they have been with guns. They didn't show up at that press conference when the governor said that he wanted to Maybe ban. the House, but Maybe the I, House. I just... I don't see it getting through the Senate. Um, <clears throat> however, I, I would say this, the, um, the Second Amendment people have to find a way to implement a law that is effective to keep guns out of the hands of crazy people because it's going to undermine the entire concept of the Second Amendment. 
there are just too many people. I don't know what it is about society now, but the newest thing to do before you want to off yourself is to go out and just kill all these people. And these people should not, you know, people like that should not have guns. And there has to be a way to stop it. And, you know, you can regulate guns all you want, but uh, if you can't keep guns out of the hands of those people, there's no hope. Whether you make all guns illegal or whatever, if there are people who want to go out in that blaze, there's got to be a way to stop it. Uh, I think out of all the legislation that is up there, I can imagine that the safe storage bill has a good chance of passing. It should. I, I don't think that the AR bills, um, the assault rifle bills, I'm not quite sure if they'll, that they'll pass. But what's interesting to note is in a state of, such as Rhode Island, there are only 14 percent of people that actually own guns in the state. It's a really low percentage. The only other states that are lower than us are Massachusetts and New Jersey. Um, yeah, what's that figure in Alabama, Texas, and Florida? Yeah, it's way right? higher. You know, uh, Montana, way higher percentage of population. So it's not necessarily that we have legal gun owners that are the problem, but there's other issues within society. Oh, You're yeah. right. And where's where's <clears throat> the anger coming from? Where's the frustration coming from? Is it? It's not just because we were locked down with COVID for three years, but um, responsible gun owners are responsible gun owners. And there are just some people that are just not responsible. This is not a new concept, though, because you know, we've talked about this. The Senate, for 10 years, uh, well, it, it sunsetted, there was a, there was a national ban, a you know, federal ban on assault weapons back then. Somehow Republicans and Democrats came together to pass that. It seems almost unthinkable now. But you, it's, you stole my line. I'm because, sorry. Go ahead, no, but, Mr. But Walsh. That's, but that's, that's the crux of the argument. We used to have this nationally. There's no reason for anyone to have an assault weapon. It's not a hunting weapon. You're not going to be defending yourself with an assault weapon because if you have an assault weapon and you're hunkered down and you want to defend yourself, they can send in a drone or one of those little robot tank things and take you out. So as Nick pointed out, who gets them? Someone buying them and immediately trying to cause horrible mischief, horrible outcomes, horrible deaths. And we've seen too much in this country. Again, it's not a hard concept. We had this. We could live with it. If, if there's someone who feels the need to practice and fire these things, you can set up something where they can go to a range, get one under a controlled circumstance, shoot at targets, and leave it locked up wherever they left. But when they get out into society, horrible things happen, and we've seen it time and time and time and time again. I don't know. If, you know, you might be right. I think it gets through the House. I don't know if it's going to get through the Senate, but if the majority of votes are there in both chambers and the governor's willing to sign the bill, give them the bill to sign, and join where the whole country was for a very long period of time. I, I don't think you'd find uh, many Republicans who would be opposed to trying to find a way to stop these crazy people with guns. I. I I th it's just a matter of solving it. I don't know why we haven't tried harder to solve it. You know, maybe it's, uh, I've heard theories, you know, it's the video game culture that we have now. People are just sort of becoming part of video game reality. And if you're crazy enough, I suppose you could think, well, it's, it's all reality, so I'll just go out and do my thing like I did on my game, on my game board. It's just... I don't know what the, it is, it, Nick. There's an underlying it, mental health issue that yeah. causes... 
<laughs> uh, that contributes to people engaging yeah, in these horrible acts. So let's take away the things that make the acts even more horrible. I, I don't than they think that'll solve it, though. I, I really well, don't if they're going to go in and throw rocks, we're going to have a lot more survivors than if they're going to go shoot, you know, yeah. 100 bullets a, a minute. So, yeah, I, th I think there's an outrage culture out there. And what do we do to solve the outrage culture? Mm -hmm. I mean, people can't even talk to each other anymore. Yeah. I mean, this is an unusual show where you bring in. It's an unusual show. We're going to run the kumbaya music right yeah, underneath. No, no. We're going to edit that in at the end. Where we can actually engage in discussion. And there's not a and lot we, of that discussion. And there's on. not a lot of that. I think we need to get back to civility. And I think that you'll see a change in culture when you can be civil with one another. And you can agree to disagree. And, and just have the right mindset. This is a wonderful country that we live in. It's a wonderful country with freedom. And how much of are you going to allow government to impringe on your freedom? Um, but we've got to get back to being able to talk about these issues. Yeah, well, we'll keep track of it as the uh, session goes on. Governor McKee, a couple of weeks ago, nearing his 100 days in office of this new term, rolled out a plan he calls Learn 365 RI. It's an incentive to try to get kids really up to speed and, and try to be on par with Massachusetts. We do a lot of uh, comparisons with Massachusetts. Um, I've heard mixed reactions to this plan, Sue. Ho-hum. Ho-hum. That's the way I felt about it, ho-hum. Uh, a lot of uh, promises without a lot of details to it. And relying and I, on no benchmarks and relying no on benchmarks, the municipal leaders no, rather right, than the school people. Right. And, um, you know, you already have students that are fall behind that are entitled to 230 days of school. So they can, they're entitled to summer programs well beyond the 180 days that students are in. So his 365-day thing you know, uh, giving money to things, where's the accountability, uh, what's the point, and extra time doesn't actually mean that the kids are going to catch up extra time. Put in the right kinds of programs. You know, I'm big on literacy. Um, if kids are not learning how to read by the time they're in third grade, they are so far behind already. So are we putting in the right literacy programs to make sure that these students can read? Um, that's a great way for them to catch up. Reading recovery type programs. Um, what are we doing to make sure that these students can leave? But throwing money at the problem, giving extra time with no accountability, no benchmarks. And I know, Bob, you're part of the new Nonprofit, um, literally well, part of the new honestly, program to breaking me, today. At yeah. first blush, it looked like glorified summer camp. Right. No, no. no obviously, I don't feel that way. I, I uh, support and defend the program. I was there at the press conference, and as Sue says, I will be involved with the outside nonprofit. Why did the governor the answer government. questions from the reporters I, afterwards? He scurried away. I don't know why he didn't answer questions from the you reporters. You would think he'd and want I to always, answer all the know, questions that everybody well, had about I'll it. answer as many as I can right now. I think that this is uh, where I had, a, and I talked about this in uh, Ian Donis' uh, column last week, where I had a difference with the governor in the past of municipal involvement in education is municipal involvement to take over education. This is municipal involvement to supplement what goes on in the sure. K-12 schools and have them much more fully engaged in the way the governor was going back to his time in the Boys and Girls Club in Cumberland and for everything and that happens out of school. And and, yeah, I didn't yeah. like that solution, right. but I like the everything else solution. Uh, the way I describe it to folks, um, uh, good teachers, whether or not there's an individualized education plan for every student, have one in their head. So you, you might have written plans for the kids in your uh, the 
kids in your class where it's required by law, but you have one in your head like extra math here, extra reading here, keep these two apart because they're both great students, but if they sit together, they're going to talk to each other, whatever you want to do. I want to see that taken outside the school day. So I want them to be able to say, with assistance of the school, say, Bob needs what Sue just pointed out, isn't reading at grade level in third grade. Let's give additional resources outside the school to do it. Um, they'll say, Nick's a great student, but he would be better off getting out and running around playing basketball every day, so let's make sure he gets to the Boys and Girls Club and gets, uh, you know, gets some of those athletic skills home. And that will make him more motivated when he comes into school. Let's make sure that every one of those things we identify for 140,000 students, I don't care where they come from, public school, charter school, private school, home school, parochial school, doesn't matter. They're kids. They're kids within our range of responsibility. And if we can engage 39 cities and towns to take what they're doing well and do if. it better, it's a big well, it's a place to start. Well, let me and then fantasy. tie back the metrics. Okay, go ahead and and where in. are the parents right. in this? You know, because Hopefully fully it, involved. Yeah, but where are the parents? And that's a big <laughs> mistake, having been through the school system and knowing there are certain teachers that, as a parent, you would say to them, you know, what does my student need? What does my child need? Because I'm more than willing to supplement them at home. And you get pushback from some of these teachers that say, I don't have time. And the union says, I only have to work so many hours. I don't even no, have time to have a doesn't say that. The union says that Let actually people you. are entitled to outside lives. But yeah. the parents often push back no. and say, well, it's not my job. No. So no. let's make sure yeah. that they work together. That, and they <laughs> should. But there is nowhere in his plan, in his 365 plan, where the word parents are ever mentioned. So I... I We're going to let Nick I talk read a, now. No, that's okay. Because we could go on. Nick's going to be the arbitration. We're bringing Nick in for <laughs> arbitration here. Go ahead. Oh, good. You can be the mediator. Uh, I'll try to mediate. Um, so I read the um, the plan. I read as much about it as I could. Um, I give the governor credit for trying. Uh, but the, the reception seemed to be that it's very mushy. Um, one of the mushier things that's not good is that it, it's not clear how much uh, money local communities are going to be asked to pitch in. Um, and they're going to create a new nonprofit. One thing we don't need in this state is another new nonprofit. Not new nonprofit well, not that is really a substitute <laughs> for government. And I want to say this too. I am in favor. I was always in favor of this when I was in the General Assembly. We should pay teachers more. We should pay them a lot more because that's where you get the best teaching by making the job a reward status. Uh, you get the best teachers when you offer more money. Maybe not every teacher, but a lot, a lot more talent. And we've never done that. Um, so I think that it's in big trouble if they don't say how much it's going to cost communities. This plan. Yeah, I, I'll, I can the, answer the two Rhode things. Right. Uh, quickly, quickly, I can answer one thing. I want to the, get to the, non, uh, the nonprofit is not <laughs> going to be doing government things. The nonprofit will be doing nonprofit things. And since I just got elected president of the board of the nonprofit, breaking news earlier today, I can guarantee you that you've got a conflict. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> no, I retired, so I don't have a conflict. Okay. But I'm going to go back because you say we These, should pay teachers more. Now that I know I've got support, where I'm going. I, you, know what, you know what? You know something. Uh, final, final is word is uh, that the governor was very bold when he was the mayor. Like, he believed in school choice. He believed in charter schools. I think he's just become mushy on this. All right. Yes. Mushy yes. might be the word. Mushy. 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 All right. Listen, word. before, we get, before we get to outrages, uh, we have to go to the stuffy. All right. Uh, Let's bring this up oh, on uh, coming to an airport not near you, but maybe if you're traveling, 
Uh, this is what the Commerce Department gave us. This woman, it doesn't seem to enable traveling in this airport. Um, she's next to a giant stuffy. And this apparently is going to want to make people to come to Rhode Island. So we don't have a lot of time about this, but let's do a little bullet poll here. <laughs> let's begin with uh, Councilor Gorham. What do you think about this? It looks like an oversized and not very delicious potato scoop stuffed into a shell. Uh, a scoop of mashed potatoes, that is. Mashed um, potatoes with mashed, a little paprika just, on top? I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to get a lot of people to come or stay. Would, would that, Island. if you're in Los Angeles, would that make you immediately hop on a plane to Rhode Island? The, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't Robert? think so. I would need no incentive to leave Los Angeles to come to Rhode Island. <laughs> but I will That's a say whole different issue. That I prefer my stuffies warmer, not cooler. <laughs> that, oh my goodness! There we go. Is this the cooler? There's your uptake. Oh my goodness! Cooler or warmer? What do you think, Miss Sienke? I think this is a perfect example of Family Guy here, a giant quahog at these airports with paprika. That would get people to come if you yeah. had Peter Griffin saying, Peter come Griffin, to come to Rhode Island. Island. I mean, it's we. It, this is such a beautiful state, and we have so much to offer. Um, this is a joke. Blob. Yeah. I, 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 I said in the green room that it's the Australians' fault because if they hadn't stolen America's cup, we could we have, have a sailboat sail there right. still. Well, then you could do a whole hour on do you put Charisse in it? Is it onions? Yes. Is it celery? What would you put in, right? Most people from out of state wouldn't even know what this was. See, I love you got the out of state. Tell me the, the word that begins with a Q. How do you pronounce it? Quahog. It could be quahog. It can be quahog or it can be quahog. Quahog, yes. Right. That's the quahog is that is that the Western Rhode Island yeah, pronunciation? Yeah, there's a lot that's of the West Canard pronunciation. Foster, Gloucester. <laughs> All right, let's yeah. let's do this. Let's get to uh, outrageous dialect. and or kudos, Mr. Walsh. We'll begin with you this week. Uh, kind of tie in a few thoughts. Uh, I want to express my condolences to the family and many many friends of uh, Senator Mary Ellen Goodwin. She uh, served for a very long time and put up a hell of a fight against cancer. Today's the day where we're filming and the day of her wake, the funeral's tomorrow. But I also want to say this because it ties into something earlier. When my friends, Murthy York and Rhoda Perry were elected to the Senate, they worried about going up there because there were gonna be people they disagreed with. And you know, they're afraid because Mary Ellen was a moderate Democrat and they were you know, more progressive liberal Democrats as we said back then. And, uh, and Rhoda especially, because she served for a long time, became very, very close with Mary Ellen. And there was a great camaraderie there. And Sue referenced it earlier. People could disagree and be good, solid, loyal friends and, you know, have robust disagreements. And we've got to ba get back to that. I thought about that earlier today when I saw the, uh, you know, the former Matt Brown folks uh, attacking someone who they agreed with on the issues over, you know, what petty personal differences. And in the spirit and honor of Mary Ellen Goodwin, let's let's get some collegiality and civility back into the system. I'm into that. So what do you have? Yeah, and I, I, to further that, um, I agree with you. Mary Ellen served for over 36 years, and it was really nice to see Senator Jessica De La Cruz. She wrote a very, classy. very yes. classy statement. So that's good. But my um, kudos is happy birthday. Oh, <laughs> look at that! He <laughs> came you, and sir. spent his birthday with us. I'm gonna who, say, who has more fun than us? You know, and, and you're approaching that age where you get benefits 
And the biggest benefit that you will receive this year is you can get a National uh, Parks Pass for a lifetime. A friend of mine emailed me that yes. first thing this morning and said, I can get a lifetime National yes. Parks Pass. Full disclosure, I'm a year ahead of you. I still can't come to take that senior citizen discount. I just, <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Although they gave me, they sent me an AARP card when, when I was 48. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, I'm like, that, if they're trying to endear themselves well, to me, that's not a good way to do to it. To tie it all and take the discount and tip bigger. Yes. Oh, there you go. You should tell Aaron Regenberg that. Uh, you have the last 45 to 60 seconds. Okay. So um, where I live out in western Rhode Island, <clears throat> a lot of people love throwing out beer cans and coffee cups and everything along the road. And I've been cleaning it up for years. Uh, two days ago, I went out to, you know, I went home early, got my garbage bags ready. Uh, it's, a it's like a half a mile that I clean every year. It was all cleaned up. I don't know who went through there, but I just want to yes. say kudos. Uh, it was absolutely... Do you have a little sign that says, this stretch of the highway adopted by Nick Gore? <laughs> Do you have a sign out there? No, I, I, I don't, and I don't know why someone came through and picked up the garbage, because I'm as them. far out in the sticks as you can get. Three kudos. Yeah. All right. I feel Thank sorry you. for you. They're like, this poor guy is yeah. out here every week. <laughs> I doubt it. All right, folks. That, uh, that is all the time we have. We appreciate you joining us. Nick and Bob, happy birthday. And Sue, good to see you. Folks, come back here next week. Uh, we always have all the very latest analysis. We'll be right here with it for you as a lively experiment continues. Have a great weekend. The Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazenwhite, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.